In recent days, I've been reading a lot about NHS staff and how the last almost 18 months have been catching up with them. The abuse they've been exposed to, their energies depleted. Let me read this extract from an item in the Nursing Times of the 6th of August. Almost 4,000 more staff were off work in June 2021 because of their mental health compared with the same time last year. It's said that the physical exhaustion that staff would sometimes feel after shifts was now paired with mental exhaustion. But I know it's not just NHS staff, it's many of us and for different reasons. And if it's not us personally at this moment in time, then I'm pretty sure that many of us will have experienced at some point in our lives that low feeling low in energy, low in enthusiasm, low in joy, low in positivity. It's like our get up and go has got up and went. But deep down, we feel that if we just hang on, then this will pass, that things will pick up again, that we will once again feel ready to face life with hope. For others though, it's much more severe. It might be caused by stress, depression, anxiety, trauma, body chemistry out of kilter, physical or mental exhaustion. For whatever reason, for them, life seems deep and dark and without hope. That's the situation that we find Elijah in. So much so that he actually prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, I want to just give a brief biography of Elijah, the, his life up to this point. This great prophet bursts onto the pages of biblical history out of nowhere with a message from God to the people of Israel at a time when they had largely rejected God and were following a multitude of other gods that collectively were known as the Baals. Elijah entered the court of King Ahab of Israel and his Phoenician wife, Queen Jezebel, who had insisted that her religion and the worship of the Baals should be the national religion of Israel. And to ensure that happened, she put to death as many of the prophets of the God of Israel that she could find. And into this potentially life-threatening situation, Elijah presented himself with this message from God. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And with those words, a three-year drought followed, during which all we're told of Elijah is of him being fed and sustained by God with the help of some birds and a small stream. And when the small stream he was drinking from dried up, God arranges for him to be fed by a widow and her son. When Elijah re-emerged on the scene in the third year of the drought, he again approaches King Ahab of Israel. This time with a challenge for the prophets of Baal, a showdown, so to speak. They had to pray to Baal that their gods would send down fire and burn their offering and likewise, he would pray to the God of Israel. Hundreds of the prophets of Baal prayed. They danced, they tore their clothes, slashed themselves with swords and spears. Nothing. The one prophet of the God of Israel doused his offering in water, 
prayed and God answered his prayer with a stream of fire from heaven and the people turned on the prophets of Baal and then the rains came. When she heard of this, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to tell him his days were numbered. Well, actually, his hours were numbered. At which point we are told that Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. A kind of natural and very human reaction. And that's where our story began today. Elijah is afraid and he's on the run. Fearing for his life, he journeys into the wilderness and sits under a solitary bush and there he asks God to let him die. Just days before, on Mount Carmel, we read of a man who had been strong, articulate, healthy, witnessing a decisive victory over the prophets of Baal. And now we find Elijah in the wilderness, sitting under a tree, tired and depressed, despairing and ready to throw in the towel. Exhausted, he falls asleep. But a messenger of God touches him and wakes him, saying, get up and eat. Elijah sees food and water prepared for him. He eats, drinks and sleeps again. The scene is repeated with a messenger telling Elijah, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. And sometimes, for some, the journey does feel as if it will be too much. As I read through our readings for today, a few things struck me and I'd like to just touch on them now. Firstly, I noticed that there were a number of things that brought Elijah to this point. There was fear. There was a sense of failure. Elijah held a negative opinion about himself. I'm no better than my ancestors. He was exhausted. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He had a sense of loneliness, isolation. Elijah said, I am the only one left and now they are out to get me. He sees no future. Afraid, alone, exhausted, stressed out and hopeless. No wonder he felt overwhelmed. But Elijah's despair and stress are not the end of the story. As we look closer at the story, we see that in amongst the negatives that weigh so heavily on Elijah, there are some positive things that happen. First of all, and I think this is important, there's no rebuke from God about how Elijah is feeling and reacting. There's no pull yourself together, no sense of disappointment. Rather, there is care and compassion, practical things that address his health and well-being. There is help from a messenger of God who provides food and water. And there is rest, the basics of human needs provided. It might be that sometimes we are called to be that messenger coming alongside someone who is struggling. And while we might not know what to say and do, we can make sure that they receive the basic human needs. For Elijah, there is also a recognition that things are too much for him and an encouragement that he needs to make sure these basics continue to give him strength for the journey. And that's the thing that happens next. Elijah stood back from everything, walked into the wilderness, and then found himself a safe place, a quiet place, a cave, away from everything 
and everyone. That's how it needs to be sometimes. You just need to step back from things. Jesus understood this truth. When things got too hectic or stressful, Jesus took himself away from everything and everyone. This was something he did regularly. And sometimes I wonder if we try too hard to just keep going, much to the detriment of our health and well-being. But back to Elijah in his cave. It's there that God asks him a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah pours out his true feelings to God, and I suppose about God. Basically, he vented his frustrations. I've just about had it, God. I've done all you asked me to, but here I am alone in a cave and being hunted. I'm at the end of my tether. There's no rebuke from God. He simply asked Elijah a question, then he did something that perhaps more of us should do. He listened. He just let Elijah talk about his feelings, thoughts and disappointments, and he made no judgment. Sometimes when someone is in this place, giving them a safe place to talk, a listening ear and no judgment can be an amazing gift. God then invites Elijah outside, but we get the impression he stays put through wind and earthquake and fire, all the ways God had revealed himself to others in the past. And it's only in the silence, what's called the gentle whisper, that Elijah recognises God's presence and leaves the cave. It's almost as if he needs and is given a new perspective of God. God asks him the question again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And you might think his response would be different, but Elijah seems to be stuck where he was. Lord, I am the only faithful person left in all of Israel. All the other people have compromised their faith. Nobody else has been as good as me in serving you. I am the only faithful believer left in the entire country. And it's then that God responds. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to succeed you as prophet. God then goes on to tell him, that there are several thousand in Israel, all of whom were faithful to God, who did not bow down to Baal. It seems that God now gives Elijah not only a new focus, but also a helper, someone to come alongside him and an assurance that he's not alone, that there are several thousand others who have been faithful. And Elijah well, Elijah finds he has renewed strength for the journey. I think many can probably relate to the story of Elijah, sitting in the wilderness, stressed out and burned out, ready to throw in the towel. And we can find hope in his story and his recovery. But I think it's important that I say something else here. There are times when we need help. And that help has to come from the professionally trained. And we shouldn't be afraid to seek out that help. 
but for some of us who are running on empty. As we look closer at Elijah's story, we see perhaps that God's answers to his problems, which were to sleep and eat, step back from the situation, talk honestly about his feelings, let the noise and clamour fall away, because it's only then that he can hear what God has to say, that he's not alone, that he doesn't have to face things alone, that God is not done with him, that his life and contribution has value. Well, that just might help us too. <laughs>